Welcome to Strength Roots Podcast, presented by Hyperthrive Athletics, where we dissect the mindsets, stories, habits, and tactics of elite performers. Strength Roots Podcast, the growth starts here. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Strength Roots Podcast, presented by Hyperthrive Athletics. Today on episode five, we sit down with Randall Pitch. Randall is an entrepreneur, he's a creative director. He's the CEO of Live Fit Apparel, as well as a couple other brands that he's built. The dude has an awesome story. Basically grew up in an immigrant family, came from nothing, grew up in the east side of Long Beach, California. Was a skater, musician, artist growing up. After high school, he got into the fitness industry, started building a clientele base as a trainer, and then from there kind of started slowly transitioning into the clothing industry. Obviously, he's built a huge company with Live Fit Apparel and is doing some really cool things with his other brands i'm so excited to dig into a story a little bit you know we talk business we talk entrepreneurship we talk social media you know building brands so i hope you guys take a lot away from this if you guys have any questions hit us up on instagram at hyperthrive athletics let us know what you guys think and let's get into it Welcome to another episode of the Strength Roots Podcast. We are in Huntington Beach, California with Randall Pitch, the founder and CEO of LiveFit and many other companies. <laughs> yep. Um, I think, you know, the craziest part about you, and I, you know, listened to a ton of podcasts with you on it, and I mean, your story's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think what we've seen with dealing with elite performers and you know, people like yourself, this struggle kind of shaped, you know, who you are today mm-hmm. and where you sit today. Right. Um, so, you know, I know you've told your story so many times mm-hmm. um, and it probably gets monotonous. But, you know, for our listeners <laughs> to just hear a little bit about, you know, where you came from, how you grew up and then right. kind of where it's led you to today. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a lot. It's going to be a lot because yeah. uh, obviously a lot of my life experiences uh, attributed to where I'm at today, right. mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I guess we could start, you know, where I was born and raised. I was born and raised in Long Beach, California, uh, first generation. So my parents came from Cambodia uh, right after the Vietnam War. Well, not right after. After the Vietnam War, they were, they stayed in Cambodia and, and survived the, the genocide, the Khmer uh, genocide. So that's the most recent, uh, I'd say, genocide. Um, but... Uh, yeah, they uh, lived, I think, four or five years in the communist regime. She had to wear, I'm, t- I'm talking about my mom, she had to wear like all black, had her hair cut like a certain way. And this is really, really recent. And this is the reason why um, Angelina Jolie has been like uh, pushing the Cambodian culture because her son Maddox actually adopted mm-hmm. is from Cambodia. Um, and it's still like affected like the country right now. But for those who don't know about the, the genocide or the Khmer Rouge, uh, after the Vietnam War, uh, you know, the Americans we, uh, didn't win. They mm-hmm. just left back home. So the communist regime took that over, which spread down to Cambodia. And then from there, they, uh, the ideology of Pol Pot, which was the dictator in Cambodia, it was different from the rest of the communist countries. He wanted to dummy down the whole country. So if you were edu- uh, educated, like a doctor, um, and uh, like a Muay Thai instructor or whoever, like an elite, you get killed off right away. So she lived through that, um, eating only one time a day type of uh, you know life. 
to finally fleeing Cambodia and then going through the camp to Thailand and then uh, making it over here to America. And then I was born, um, I would say, like 10 years later. So, yeah. And then uh, uh, that's why there's a lot of uh, Cambodians in Long Beach because of the uh, the war. A lot of people just, a lot of the Cambodians just migrated there. Um, so with that being said, uh, I grew up in Long Beach, California with other a lot of other Cambodians. And, you know, we were first generation, so we didn't have much. I grew up with uh, not knowing the difference between food stamps and dollar bills. Mm. That was back when we had the actual paper instead of the card, mm. right? So my, my, I remember my mom just telling me, all right, here's this, use this for food, and here's this, use this for whatever else you need every single day. And I didn't know until later that, oh shit, these other kids don't have it, mm. you know? Um, so that's just like the, the really uh, kind of young experience that I've had. Um, and then I found skateboarding. Uh, Long Beach is also like a really multicultural city. So I got to meet, um, or grew up skateboarding. And then with that, I got to meet a lot of kids with different upbringings, different backgrounds, you know, poor, rich, regular, it doesn't matter, you know, everyone that likes skateboarding. So uh, I was exposed to that and I kept skateboarding. And that was the thing that kind of made, I guess, my path of life uh, more, uh, I get, I want to say, because a lot of, you either skateboard or you gangbang. Let's just put it that way, you know? So I found skateboarding, and a lot of my other friends didn't. Uh, unfortunately, one of my other friends I just grew up with, he got he got shot the other day. Mm-hmm. He, he's dead now, so, like, that's the type of, mm-hmm. it was, like, last week. Uh, yeah. So he's a kid I grew up with. Um, yeah, he's dead now. Then I have mm-hmm. other friends, and, like, their siblings or friends, just people just get murdered every day. It's crazy, and you don't hear about it on the news, you know? Right. And that's just the kind of the reality that I grew up with. Uh, like I used to skateboard and know not to just walk to this block, you know? Yeah. And as a kid, I just knew that it was so normal. Like you didn't speak about it. But now that I tell people, everyone's like, dude, that's, that's a trip, you know? Mm-hmm. So. What do you think kept you from not going down that route? Skateboarding, dude, I was like <laughs> getting really good at it. Yeah. So I have that addictive personality. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is a, a characteristic of something that led me to uh, where I'm at today too. It's just mm-hmm. if I start something, I want to be the best at it, you know? Yeah. So I started skating, I was getting good, and I'm, you know, I was like, this is, that was my dream, I want to be a pro skater, mm-hmm. so. Was, yeah. was your mom pretty open with you about her journey and her experience? Because I know some parents would take the route of like sheltering their kid from that struggle, right? Was she, was she like that or was she kind of open and, and let you know exactly what she went through? You know, it's funny, any Cambodian or a lot of Cambodian kids can speak uh, for me too and can agree. A lot of the parents don't, didn't um, bring it up at all. They yeah. wanted to just hide it, you know? Mm-hmm. I had to get it out of her. I had to like learn about it myself. Yeah. They wanted to just leave it behind because it was pretty brutal, you know? Like I had uh, my grandma tell me stories. She's seen people just get like executed, decapitated heads and just, you know, yeah. like that. And my mom, same thing, she's seen all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. So I don't. I think their intentions was, okay, we got a new life. Mm-hmm. Let's just get the, get these kids off their to their feet, and then not bring the the bad stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. Especially because I feel like so often you hear you're a product of your environment, and like for you to make it through that, like people. I mean, I I grew up in Palo Alto, uh-huh. and East Palo Alto is right across the train tracks, and like people, you know, it's much better now with Facebook being there, but it was known like. 
guys, people don't make it out of East Palo Alto. Yeah, and yeah. then you have those guys like Devonte Adams, who like goes and plays to the Packers. I mean, there's so many other guys, but it's just like it's. I think it's like a testament to you and like why you're here. Yeah, and a lot of people from Long Beach too. Like, look at Long Beach Poly; they breed so many pro NFL guys. You know, mm -hmm. right out of uh, high school too. And um, Long Beach State, they got a lot of guys that go to you know to the major leagues after that as right. well. Like, Long Beach is just such a driven uh, city. Right. You know, with with guys that. Oh, if he can do it, I can do it too. Because he's from where I'm from, you know. Like Snoop, yeah. Come on, he's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> straight so, up. Yeah, Dude, we got a long, we got a Long Beach guy on our team, JP Crawford. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he loves the LBC. Yeah, dude. And that's the one thing about Long Beach. We love yeah. Long Beach. Look at my hat. Yeah, yeah right. My tattoo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, your tattoos are sick. Thanks, do they tell a story or? No, I mean they're different parts of my life. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Like when I was straight edge, and then yeah. But this is just all artwork here. But I got a lot of things covered up yeah, too, yeah. as well. And yeah. <laughs> so moving past that, like, um, you know, you told us a little bit about your your childhood mm -hmm. and when you started skateboarding. What was mm -hmm. high school like? Maybe a transition into you know later education. What was what was that part of your life like? Yeah. Yeah. So I um, like going to school and stuff. Yeah. I wasn't like a bad student. Mm -hmm. You know, I just my mom just like pushed me to go to school, take that route. Yeah. Um, but she was so busy working uh, in the daytime and until late night. So after school, uh, it was just me and my brother, mm -hmm. you know, so we obviously didn't want to just stay home. We wanted to skate, you know, experience other things. And that, I think that's what exposed me to like the streets mm -hmm. and stuff too. So I learned a lot of like that type of lingo and whatnot. And, you know, doing that kind of stuff, you just learn a lot, yeah. uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Like street smart stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, through middle school, high school, um, I got into other hobbies. Um, in high school, like I played drums. I used to be in a hardcore band too. Uh, so like I had a, had dreams of being a famous drummer. Never mm -hmm. happened, you know. Mm -hmm. But I pursued that 100%. And with that being said, um, I did graphic design as well in high school, um, which taught me the process of silk screening and how to make a T-shirt. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that, I applied that with the the band. So I was in charge of making merchandise. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, we're gonna make some t-shirts and uh, sell them at our shows. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the start of where I learned the whole um, t-shirt printing business. Subconsciously, it wasn't like my purpose. Mm -hmm. I just had to do it because I knew where to go to LA to get the, the shirts for wholesale, come back over here, still treating myself. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the, I guess where it started as far yeah. as clothing wise. But even, so design or art has always kind of been a part of your life, right? So, yeah. I mean, a lot of people consider skateboarding an artistic expression in itself, right? And then you went into music and then graphic design. So do you feel like you've always just been drawn towards that creative side of things? And that's almost, did you feel like that was a calling for you? Or was it more just a hobby that turned into something that could be a career? I think it was just a hobby. Like, it was something that I found fun. Mm -hmm. And I could just literally zone out for hours and I mm -hmm. wouldn't even know like if the sun went down or it was up if I was in a closed room, you know, mm -hmm. I'll just just hammer out designs or um, drawings like literally draw to like I used to I mean, I used to try to tattoo I've tattoo mm -hmm. a few peeps, but yeah, <laughs> my time I don't like there to talk about it. it. I kind of ruin people's skin. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've always been like creative, you know, mm -hmm. so. And then when did that become something that you knew you were passionate about and wanted to turn it into a business or, you know, take it to the next level? Right. So obviously the the dreams of becoming a rock star didn't fall through, but it did teach me a lot. So, I mean, I, I, you can't throw away that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. 
So later in high school, uh, so, so my sophomore year was the year I took the graphic design class and really got in deep with uh, designing. Mm -hmm. And then my junior, late junior year and senior year, I got into bodybuilding. And that's when I started getting into the fitness field and then finding about the, um, the Department of Kinesiology and personal training and, and finding out, hey, I can make a living out of this. So that's what I started to pursue. Um, so I graduated high school and then I got uh, went to Long Beach State uh, for uh, five or six years, uh, studied kinesiology and I was got hired on as a trainer at a corporate gym right after high school. So I was a trainer um, pretty much alongside my whole college career. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in that time, that's when everything blew up, and that's the reason why I did not finish uh, college and went straight to expanding uh, the businesses. So, so and have you <clears throat> like before you started the Live Fit brand? Mm -hmm. Did you have other brands that you tried to start or businesses that might have not oh, yeah. come to fruition? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Even in, in high school too, as I was playing uh, drums in a band, I wanted to start. A clothing line so I did it was called ruckus and we sponsored other bands and stuff too including my own band and, and, and stuff um, just because I it wasn't the sole purpose wasn't f to make money it was just so me and my homies could rock mm -hmm. a cool design that I made you know mm -hmm. and that's like the it, that's the the like authenticity of it you know mm -hmm. and I think that's what people um, like with with lift it it was just so organic when it grew mm -hmm. you know the sole purpose wasn't just for money it was to like help people you know li live a better lifestyle so I had this clothing line in high school and never popped off scrapped that right so I started personal training like I said and then Bally's got I got hired at Bally's little fitness I didn't mention that yet prior yet. so then they got bought out by LA fitness right and then I got laid off and they wanted to rehire me uh, for like less than half the pay I was like no I'm gonna go private so then by this time I had a lot of clients ready I took all my clients with me went to a private gym uh, pretty much like a gym that I rent out that I could just kind of run my own business I did that and that's when I decided to hey why not list um, why not make shirts for my clients mm -hmm. I know how to design I think it'll look cool let's do it so that's when I put live fit on a shirt it was just a slogan for um, my uh, personal training business, which is RP Fitness. Mm -hmm. So I designed the shirt, and then uh, sure, sure, uh, one thing led to another. People started uh, rocking it. I, I remember making a video um, of this boot camp or just me training my clients with the shirts, and I didn't realize what I was doing. I didn't care for marketing or whatever. I just do it. It's cool, you know, yeah. for me. But since my clients uh, felt like, Damn, this is this video is tight. Like I, I want to repost it too. This was only when Facebook was out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then they started doing it, and on, you know, when they're uh, like sweating it out, you know, working hard, showing them, showing their peers that, you know, they're they're uh, dedicated to this thing and changing their lives. It's like a positive thing. Yeah. It makes more of an impact. So that was like a like a real, really good marketing platform for me, and it just went far from there. Like other people were like, hey, how can I get that shirt? I know I'm not near you but can I uh, buy one? I'm like, sure. You know, so that's where it all started. Yeah. So you talked about like early on um, your shirt designing was basically just something for you guys, you and your boys to rock yep. and just stuff that you really liked. So like how much now the designs that you guys do um, here at Live Fit, it, is it just like stuff that, that you would want to rock or how much like consumer feedback do you get and like, how much outside influence do you have as far as your designs go? Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that. I, I think 
just recently, maybe about like a year ago, I started to um, cater to the mass market now, mm-hmm. just because it's so corporate now. I, I mean, I hate to say that, but now we got to start appealing to not just myself, but like the athletes customer base and whatnot but before that it was literally just whatever i rocked that's what's coming out if not whatever (laughs) and then kind of along those same lines like obviously it's a pretty competitive uh market that you're in with Mm -hmm. you know clothing and that type of thing so like how much are you observing what other companies are doing as far as like their brand strategy what they're doing as far as designs and stuff like are you even looking at that or are you just completely in your own lane not even focused on it yeah, I'm in my own lane. I get that question a lot, and I really, I can't even, I don't know what other brands are doing yeah. at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm Love just doing what, what what works for me, and that keeps me focused, you know? That's good, because yeah. it seems like, it, and it's not really even in the clothing industry, anything, like with our, you know, fitness business, you look at content online, and it's just, it, a lot of it's just copycat. They're looking at what other people are doing and right. know, kind of replicating it. Yeah. But the be- it seems like the best companies in every industry aren't focused on what other people are doing. It's just they're in their own lane and they're, you know, right. doing their thing. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a hinder. I. Because I've heard of other like business gurus or whatever say you should check out the competition, but I think that's a big mistake because it's just going to put stuff in your head that's going to mm-hmm. make you doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. And things don't work out for different peeps because of uh, all kinds of factors, you know, like of where they're at what, or um, the location, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, like a business may work for this person, but it may not work for that person just solely because of the environment that they're in yeah. and whatnot. So if it's working for you, that's all I always say. If it, if it works, keep on doing it, you know, mm-hmm. who cares what other people think, yeah, or, yeah. think or say, yeah. you know? And then, and then with like assessing stuff that works. So obviously you've had some brands that didn't go well mm-hmm. that you had to step back from and, and, you know, redirect your route. So how do you assess, um, like, when something might not be working because a lot of people are like chase your dream like if you're passionate about it but they might be chasing you know going down that path but it's something that's not going to work long term you might have to pivot so how do you assess when to pivot um or when to just completely do something different right yeah like prioritize and whatnot i mean you just got to like check out or check yourself where you're at in life and kind of see if the data shows that you should keep pushing this you know Mm -hmm. like the only reason why i really pursued uh lifted apparel and and shut down my personal training business was because of the numbers was was overpowering my my numbers from personal training like by far and the requirement uh of my physical self to like do all the labor was outweighing PT, you know? So I was like, mm-hmm. hey, to all my clients, you know what? I, I got to do this. This is like, this wave is going up, blah, 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 and I know what I'm doing. This is my dream. Because, you know, when you talk to your clients, you get really close with them. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking for a long time, like, you know, this clothing line's popping off. I don't think I'm going to be able to train you very soon, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but, yeah, they all understood, and then I just um, went full on with the with the business and and. Put, finally be able to put 100% in, and that's when things just went like that. Yeah. But I always look for a track record first. You know, I always spread myself thin until I can't, like, um, I, I don't just, like, if people buy the shirt, cool, cool, but it has to be proven, like, I'm going to sell out, you know, because yeah. that way I don't go into debt. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think it's um, on the last, last podcast we recorded, um, we were talking to Danielle Martin, who's a, she does a lot of different things, but um, she works with a lot of high-level athletes as far as, like, mental skills and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
but she talked about intuition. So I think it's kind of, you know, obviously looking at the data, making stuff work, but honing into your intuition and knowing if that's like something that you should consider pursuing or, you know, going down that path. So, yeah. And I think like a common theme I'm hearing in your story is like you're pursuing one goal and it leads down a route you didn't know you were going to take. And instead of you like fighting against that, you just kind of go with it, pivot, like Aaron was saying. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people, um, they have like this clear vision of where they want to go, but they're not seeing the signs that, hey, maybe you just need to take a little turn this way, right? Right. And so I think you've done a really great job of maybe like, you probably didn't feel all that prepared every time you had to pivot, but instead of like second guessing it, you just went all in. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And I think like the the entrepreneurs that make stuff happen think like that. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have a goal, obviously, but we go into that goal with open eyes and open mind, you know, like mm-hmm. anything can come and lead to something else. Like, I don't know what lift it's leading me to, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just things can just always expand. And I've realized that with obviously with the, the brands that I have now and the companies I've made, mm-hmm. it's just because of what lift fit has led me to, you know? Yeah. So I'm always keeping uh, the doors open, yeah. options open. So going from just you, like obviously it was just you at the start, like no uh-huh. team, and then you probably slowly add in probably right. some friends, and then, you know, it grew from there. Um, so, you know, a lot of people talk about culture within companies and organizations. Um, how is culture for you something that just organically happens after you kind of set the standard or is, and how, like, how do you consistently keep working on building the right culture when, when new people come into the company? That's something that we, we've all learned, you know, and it's still like a learning curve because mm-hmm. obviously you want to, we want to have fun. And at the same time, when the business really scales and, um, expands, you have to run a tight ship, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, we've been in situations where I've had to let go of really, really close friends, you know, and it just, it sucks, but it's kind of like, well, if they really understood, then they would get their act together, you know, because if I'm growing as a CEO, I, I expect the other um, people that I've hired that, as friends to expand and gain more knowledge in their department, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just like a balance you got to find. Um, and uh if you're going to be a CEO or be a leader, you know, because some people could just own a company and hire a manager. But if you want to, like, lead and, and do all that stuff, you got to, like, really, um, you know, know how to manage people and, and mm-hmm. deal with personalities and not think irrationally, you know, not think with your emotions. you got to really uh, pull that out of the, the picture. Yeah. I think that plays a big role. And then, you know, with the way you spend your time now with where your company's at, because mm-hmm. at first it was probably mostly all creative right. and, and, you know, strategic stuff. Mm-hmm. So how do you, is your time now mostly spent on leadership? Like, how do you divvy up your time between the creative, running the company, leading people? Uh, it's still a little bit of both, you know? Like, I spend a lot of time uh, being creative. Uh, that's actually most of my time uh, being creative. But then now with uh, 2020 rolling in, um, I had, like, a, a meeting with all our athletes and ambassadors like via Skype and stuff and just coming up with a game plan and, and of me being more involved because mm-hmm. I realized last year I, I was lacking that, you know, because I was mm-hmm. just so busy with, I mean, there's other things that, that I have to do. I got to, you know, oversee every department and the management, everything that goes back in here. So then our marketing team, which is like the athletes and ambassadors, they feel kind of left out. So I realized that, okay, now I've fixed whatever I needed to fix in these departments. Now let me give some time to uh, the athletes and ambassadors and come up with like strategic 
uh, strategies to post on social to uh, what kind of campaigns we're going to do, mm-hmm. things like that, you know. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, like, again, balancing. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, you know, you kind of talked about um, setting new goals or kind of, you know, doing stuff different going into the new year. Is that is that something where you kind of step away and take time to reflect and and look on look at the wins and the losses? Is that you know mentors that you have in your life that you know kind of help you evaluate stuff? Like how do you, from a strategic standpoint, like evaluate? Yeah, stuff? I think stepping away from the company um, and going away for a bit kind of clears your head, so you can think without any distractions, mm-hmm. like people feeding stuff in your head all the time, you know. Um, but yeah, I would like this past. Uh, I think it was like. A couple weeks ago, I went to New York with a business colleague, um, and uh, I went to go see a couple of docs because my lower back's kind of messed up. And one of the doc- doctors is an actual business coach, so it was it was cool. We just sat down in the room and you know we're just happened to talk about business, and then I told him about some things that were happening, and he just gave me some advice. So mm-hmm. yeah, I do have I guess mentors uh, I would hit up, but definitely um stepping away from the business mm-hmm. and even the problem if there is a problem at hand step away kind of clear your head mm-hmm. number one to get the emotions out so you don't make stupid decisions yeah and then two to kind of just oversee okay now let's game plan and uh you see what we can do when we get back and so what is that for you like what's your escape to get clarity um now it's like riding my motorcycle yeah skateboarding or uh just taking a little vacation mm-hmm. yeah just being like doing something that's non-business related, which is hard because we're social media based. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, just not so much of the back end stuff. Yeah, because it seems like when you're in it every day, you're like in the business and working on what you need to work on. Like you get so caught Dude, up in sucks. other stuff that you you can't really take a step back and you know look at the overview and really yeah. evaluate like where you like the business really needs to go. Exactly. Yeah. I. I guilty of that for sure we get mm-hmm. caught up and then there's other bleeding areas but we're so like you know mm-hmm. intense in one area yeah and so like where we left off on the story is like you know facebook was the only thing right, right. so you started when facebook was just the only thing popping off right mm-hmm. and then so how did that transition into you taking advantage of social media and like building that brand awareness and really building the brand into exactly what you wanted it to be mm-hmm. so um when people started seeing the shirts on facebook they would hit me up, like I was saying, mm-hmm. and then I uh, would just re-up on the on the tees. So I first invested $300 into the first batch of T-shirts, and that's the only investment I've ever done. That so, was like the, now. the first batch? Yeah, until now. That's like no, no loan, nothing. Oh, wow. yeah. So um, I just kept on uh, uh, slaying the shirts until people out of state started seeing the stuff, and this mm-hmm. was still on Facebook. So then I just made an a, a online store. And this was when Big Cartel was around. I don't know if you know that platform. It's, like, super old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can only sell, like, three shirts for free online. <laughs> that so was, like, I, the original, like, Shopify type thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that and then just started um, shipping a, a ton of shirts out until that got overwhelming. And then Instagram came out. And then, uh, you know, I started with one shirt and it obviously it, uh, turned into, like, three or four designs and, like, a pair of shorts and a, and a hat or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So then it became an actual clothing line. I was like, oh, man, this is this is dope. Mm-hmm. So um, when I started getting overwhelmed with, like, the, the physical aspect of, like, shipping, labeling, doing all that stuff, I needed an assistant or something, so I hired my first employee. And then um, me and uh, the first employee, Chulin, she's a uh, – she, she worked at Apple first, so she was my client. She worked at Apple 
and I hired her because she was good with numbers and stuff, and I suck at numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so we were able to just literally take the uh, take uh, the clothing line and scale it to the next level, you know, while I was still personal training. So. Yeah, and then so kind of going along the social media line, staying there, oh, yeah. you talked about, like, obviously you have brand ambassadors and athletes right. and stuff. Would you say that's been one of your biggest drivers is having strategic partnerships and, yes. you know, shout-outs and that type of thing? And do you think as far as, let's say, a brand, it doesn't have to be a clothing company, but, you know, even a brick-and-mortar starting now, is that something that they should look at in 2020? Yes, I think so. But I think more strategically is the kind of person. So, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't necessarily, uh, like, the numbers as far as, like, followers or whatever, it doesn't necessarily matter. It's just the representative of mm-hmm. uh, who's going to represent your company has to fit the look and, yeah. and whatnot and speak on the behalf, you know, because I know how to make clothes and whatever and know how to reach a new market. It's now we're looking for people that kind of vibe with us, you know, mm-hmm. and then with that, you just create a community, a buzz. People are going to look over, you know, especially locally first. I'm like, oh, I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it just grows organically. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you have personally a very large following, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think, was it some early on you recognized that I need to brand myself right alongside with my business? Because I think, like, our generation, especially myself, like, when I look at a company and evaluate a company and whether, you know, I want to invest my time or my money into that company, it's like, I want to know who's behind it. Right. I want to know who is creating it and, and what their story is. So was that something you were focusing on early, was telling your story right along with building the brand of the business? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, it wasn't at first. At first, I was like, dude, I'm going to create this, this clothing line now. I'm going to build a team, you know, like a, like a skateboard brand, you know, just mm-hmm. be behind the scenes and, and yeah. do all that. But I've noticed with the data, it shows like every time I po- would post something, it would be or have a lot more of an engagement, you know, because mm-hmm. it's more on a personable level, I guess. Mm-hmm. People can relate uh, directly with me. So um, even when we were scaling and blowing up, we would still pull data, and every time um, I would post or do something, the sales would go up, even mm-hmm. till this day, yeah. which is kind of a curse, though, because it's like, yeah, I can't take a break, mm-hmm. you know? But, um, yeah, it's just, it's stuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, I did recognize that early on and, and started pushing my personal brand as well on social media and started making, like, more entrepreneurial ships uh, type of um, stuff just because I knew those type of, uh, audiences were my followers because mm-hmm. the, the questions they would get is like, how do you start a brand? How do you do this? You know, so. So we talked, uh, you know, a little bit about where you spend your time. Um, mm-hmm. And then we talked about like building a personal brand. It's hard to step away a lot of the times. And I know, um, you, you know, you're kind of starting a family now. You got a little one at home. Yep. So how is that? I have an eight month old at home, so I'm still figuring out a lot of stuff. My first my first child. How has that affected the way that you prioritize your time and spend your time in the business. Um, and I guess if there is, you know, early parents out there that are business owners, like how to kind of navigate that. Mm-hmm. I think because I mean, Sarah and I, Sarah, my fiance, we, we've talked prior, you know, we wanted to be in a good good place to where if we did have a baby or something, there would be plenty of space and, and stuff to where she, uh, the baby can come along. Mm-hmm. you know, and just hang and, and whatnot. And I wanted to make sure, like, my mom was in a good place, too, so she could babysit. So all that stuff was set up. And then now, you know, uh, my mom babysits sometimes. If uh, Reese needs to come here, she'll come here and, you know, just hang out and stuff because we have extra rooms. But I had to make sure those things were laid out first, you know, Yeah. so I can see her and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, for me, I mean, it, you know, 
if I, I'm 30, about to be 34, but if, you know, I was 22, 23 years old, you know, wasn't set up in any way and had a kid, I would have, it would have been crazy. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Cause time flies when you run a business, you know, cause I hate to say it, but a lot of entrepreneurs or, or um, business owners, we don't live in the moment because mm. we have to plan ahead, right? And that sucks. So things, you think you're living at this time and thinking about what you're doing now, but you're not. You're literally planning for the next event, planning, uh, okay, do we have the financials for this? Mm-hmm. You know, just different projects here and there. So what I've done, uh, Sarah and I have done um, for the past couple of years, even just for us, is when like Christmas comes or like uh, Valentine's Day or whatever, we deck the whole house out mm-hmm. and make it super like flamboyant of yeah. like just Christmas trees, lights, all this and that's just so we remember it, you know? Yeah, and yeah. it forces us to, oh, that that was, you know? Like yeah. that's the time of the year. Cause there was a point where I was like, dude, Christmas is tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it, it's that it's that crazy. So I think um, just going all out in the celebration of these holidays yeah. can really make a difference. It kind of like, it, it embeds like a memory, you know, because without mm-hmm. school, you don't really have that, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, so. And do you try to block off time where it's like, all right, today, the only thing I'm focused on is family. I'm not looking at social media. That, like, do you block off time for I that? I try. I try. I'm not going to lie. I try, yeah, because yeah. if I said I did, Sarah would be like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I try. Yeah. Are you good at separate? Because I know, like, in my line of work, it's like my performance is my livelihood. So, you know, when I go home, sometimes I take it there with me. And it's like, I realize, like, you know, I'm not doing, like, I'm doing my wife a disservice, you know, my, my parents, whatever. Like, do you feel like you struggle with that sometimes? Like, if you go home, you take the business home with you and it affects, yep. you know, what kind of dad you are or whatever. Oh, yeah, it does. I take it home and it sucks. And, you know, it's crazy. Sarah is the CPA or the, the CFO here. Mm-hmm. So she deals with, like, directly mm-hmm. with the CPA, the accounting. And she does all the finances and HR. But the... We're luckily are lucky enough to work in completely different departments to where we don't ever bump heads until, unless it's like a budgeting thing, you know, where I want to spend X amount on these goods because I think they're going to sell. And she's like, no, we don't have the budget for it. But other than that, I mean, we don't really talk about work or we try not to. But I, I don't know, man. I think it's inevitable, you know, right. because it's just our we're the owners. Right. It's, it's yeah. kind of hard. Like we, it's our baby too, right. you know. Yeah, it's if so ingrained in you. Yeah, especially it, it pays our social, bills and everything. The social media and just, yeah. I mean, having to stay relevant there, dude. Yeah, you can't work behind the scenes. Nope, nope, exactly. So. How do you, um, as your team grows, like keep a standard? Like, do you have a standardized training process or like way that you ingrain people into the company? Um, not really. We we kind of just feel them out in the beginning. You know, because since it is social media based, a lot of peeps that um, come apply and get hired already know about the company. Mm -hmm. So they kind of know the expectations and whatnot. Um, But uh, the company culture, I mean, we have a pretty relaxed uh, environment. You know, people can just eat and leave and do whatever they want. Not do whatever they want, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there's music always playing, there's dogs running around and stuff, you know. As long as they get their work done, As long as they get their work done, you know. Like a lot of the guys here are uh, salary work, so, you know, they just... You know, there's a lot of field work. You don't have to be in the office all the time. You just got to get your stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So um, I guess kind of, you know, closing out, what uh, with Live Fit brand and your other brands and personal stuff, you got anything, big projects planned in 2020? Um, you know what? It's funny because uh, the reason why I started Live Fit Apparel was, was a branch off my personal training business, right? Mm-hmm. And I haven't personal trained for seven years now, I think. And I just started getting back into it like I, I did a boot camp yesterday nice you know because we have the space downstairs we just built out a gym 
and you know, I miss the whole in-person uh, gratitude, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't get that anymore. I'm, I'm behind a desk, dude. All I get is like, man, your T-shirts are fading or whatever. I'm going to get a <laughs> refund. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it sucks, dude. And I'm like, man, it, yeah. So I was like, man, let me get back to, to what I like doing. So mm-hmm. I just started. Uh, we did a boot camp yesterday, and I had all my athletes who are all trainers as well and stuff um, help help out and, and whatnot. So going through this year, we're going to start doing more events here in the warehouse, more uh, boot camps, more private training, uh, small groups. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so it's I'm going to be working more in the expansion of that route, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, that that field of fitness. Well, yeah. it, it kind of goes back to the origin story of LiveFit, right? Exactly. Like, you didn't even expect that to be the name brand. Like, that was uh, a slogan for your clients, right? Yeah. So that was, like, the the standard you were trying to set for your clients was live fit, mm-hmm. like, live your entire life that way. Yep. And so now it's almost like it's coming for full circle where we're getting back to exactly what started the business in the first place. Yep, full circle. It's funny. Man, what, one of the, the, the head trainer, manager, Thomas, like, I have him as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I never in a million years thought I would need a personal trainer because <laughs> I used to, you know, yeah. but it's because I want him to hold me accountable for mm-hmm. the time and like make sure I get my workout in. Yeah. And dude, you guys, are, you know, you train and stuff. You, yeah. You never think like that. I'm like, man, I don't need no trainer. You know, yeah. I know what I'm doing, but dude, it gets crazy when you yeah. get just to a certain level. Like, dude, I can't, I don't want to work out and, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. That accountability yeah. piece is huge. Like even, uh, you know, obviously having a baby and stuff like time is spread pretty thin. And so. Even me, like I, you know, got off my, you know, path of staying in the gym and stuff. So like within the last few months, like I I basically hired a coach that we trust in the area just so that at 5.30 a.m. when I go to the gym at 6 and it's cold outside and I want to sleep in, like normally I would just sleep in if it was me going to the gym. But Mm -hmm. now that, you know, he holds me accountable. Yep, you have to go. And be there. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, like you have a ton of success through your brand now, right? Mm -hmm. And I heard one quote. It was a... Nick Saban was on a documentary and he said it. And it was, when you climb the mountain, you become the mountain, right? And so now you have so many people, so many other companies that are like basically chasing you at this point, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them. So, and now your motivators are so much different than when you started, right? So how has your motivation shifted and like what truly motivates you to keep keep grinding every day? Like come in here and work hard every single day because obviously it's a little bit different as mm-hmm. we grow and as our story changes. So how has that kind of evolved over the the um, the lifetime of the brand? Right. I think, I mean, now I'm like seven years into this business. And like for a clothing line, that's pretty long. Yeah. The I think the average lifespan for a clothing brand to be successful uh, at a certain level is like five years. Mm-hmm. But like you said, climbing the mountain, I think I've been around every or experienced every single thing um, business-wise. Mm. I don't want to say every single thing, but like a lot of the, the, the hard stuff that, that comes along the ways, like the laws and the um, dealing with lawyers and just these other things, you know, that mm. are, that comes out like a left hook at you, you know. Yeah. I've experienced all that stuff, so it kind of pulled me away from the business. When I first started to scale, I wanted to just scale, 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 build this big team, and this, this company, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized like my focus was getting away from the heart of the clothing brand or Mm -hmm. the mission and I think that's where a lot of people fall short so now I'm just going back to you know what I'm gonna go and do what made me happy in the beginning Mm -hmm. and what I'm passionate about which is designing and training people you know and then if I have all the other stuff that I've already built it's just gonna fall into place it's easier you know which ultimately will make the business grow even more exactly yeah once you get back to the heart of it yep 
Do you, uh, do you ever just step back and go, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe it's grown like this. Only times when I do podcasts or when people ask me, <laughs> yeah, because other than that, you were just going, going, yeah, going, right. you know, the only time I could think is ex- just exactly like right now when you guys yeah, uh, ask. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because they always tell us, like, keep your head down and like look up at the end mm-hmm. and then you like, you know, make it to the big leagues. And I'm like, holy shit, like, yeah. <laughs> it was 50,000 yeah, in the stadium. Like yep. I was playing in front of 2,000 two weeks ago. So it only goes, goes up too. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, last question. Mm-hmm. If you had to prescribe one habit for the whole world to do for 30 days, what would it be? Habit? One habit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For 30 days? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Tough and, one. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be like a habit in a certain sense. It's like if you could just anything. get anybody to do anything for 30 days. It could be wear your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Just for the world, huh? Mm. Hmm. I don't even know. It's going to sound dumb, but, like, think before you speak. Mm, That's good. good. (laughs) Think before you speak. In a day of social media, think before you post a comment. Yeah. Think. Use your brain. Seriously. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Some people definitely don't think, that's for sure. (laughs) Sweet. So um, as far as going forward, people want to find out more. Like, what are all the brands that you got? Where can they find you on social media? Um, as far as brand, brand wise, uh, livefitapparel.com. Obviously, that's, that's the main one. And then I have topthreadsinc.com, which is my more streetwear brand. And then the custom printing business uh, is skylabprints.com. But you can go on my personal website, which is randall-pitch.com. And you can find the other stuff on there, too. Uh, I have another brand called Gold English, which is uh, um, partnered with, with uh, um, my buddy that's a tattoo artist that just won Ink, Ink Master last season. Nice. And then, um, yeah, you'll find a lot of info on the, the randall-pitch.com. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, think before you speak. Thanks for listening to this episode of, of Strength Roots Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Stay up to date on everything HTA. Follow us now on Instagram at HyperThriveAthletics. Athletics.